For weeks now, we've been in the study of the I am's of Jesus. Uh, this is the fourth study of the I, of I am the true vine. We actually began in August of last year. This has been a tremendous study in my heart. I have enjoyed searching the word and the presence of the Lord in this search. It has been tremendous in my own heart. And I pray that each of those, or each of you all that are listening to this, are searching the word and just having a tremendous fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really, my heart as a minister is that there would be this great fellowship of Christ ministered into your heart, and that you would find his joy, his peace, his comfort, his reality in your everyday living. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God, that Christ would be your very life. Well, in John 15, I want us to read one more time. I know we've read this, if you're following this, um, for the last few weeks, but I want us to read John 15 again, starting with verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I, I'm going to stop here. I'll just read the next verse. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So I want us to consider this, what Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. You cannot bear fruit of yourself. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Listen to this. He that abides in me. If I do not understand that I abide in Christ, how then can I bear his fruit? So if I don't have the understanding in my heart, and we're going to work our way back here to John 15, but uh, right now we're going to look at some other places in the scripture. But if I don't come to an understanding that I abide in Christ, how can I bear fruit? That's a question. Now, the next question is, how do I abide in Christ? How do I abide in Him? And I wrote the answer by the Spirit. We are baptized by one Spirit into one body. Actually, we were, we're baptized into His death, Paul says. And we're made to drink into the life of the one Spirit of God drink into his life. So I have to understand I'm abiding in the vine. 
because I can't bear fruit of myself. I mean, Jesus makes this clear that the branches can't bear fruit of themselves. We can't produce that of God of ourselves. So I must come to an understanding in my heart that I am in Christ. A lot of the teaching that's in the earth does not teach us we are in Christ. It has Christ far, far away from us. But the Apostle Paul taught Christ as an abiding presence or the abiding presence of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, and that's who he is. He's the abiding presence of the living God. And so he dwells in us, and we dwell in him. Because we can't bear fruit of God, of ourselves. And, and I think a lot of times we become Christians, and we read the Bible, and we should. But then we say to ourselves, I've got to perform what the Bible says. The Bible says I should love my brother. So I begin to try to love my brother, because the Bible says so. And I find in my heart that I might not even know what love really is, what God means about love. I may not even have a proper understanding of the love of God, but yet I must abide in his love. Well, how do I do that? I, I have to understand it through the Spirit of God. So we come to this, that we have to understand Christ by the Spirit of God. We have to understand we are in him by the Spirit of God. And last week I dealt with seed according to its kind out of the book of Genesis, that the that every seed brought forth of its own kind in the first creation. That's in Genesis chapter 1. You can go back there and look, or you can go back and listen to or watch last week's lesson. And God created the earth to bring forth fruit after its own kind, and that was in a type and shadow of what the Lord was going to do in Christ. See, in Christ, we're not in a type and shadow. We are in a reality. So this kind that we are in is Christ. Okay, 1 Peter 1, 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Okay, so we are born again, not of the same old seed, not of the same old man. So we're not born again of the kind of the natural man. We're born again of the word of God, the living word of God who is Christ. That's what we're born of. That's how we're in Christ. We're born of him. We're born through him. We're born in him. So in our natural birth, we were born in Adam. We were a natural man. In our spiritual birth, we're born in Christ. We are a spiritual man. Now, 
Paul writes first the natural, then the spiritual. So now we are abiding in Christ through new birth. That's where we are abiding. We may not understand that, but if we've been born again, that's where we are. We were born into Christ. Christ is born in us. He came and received us to himself. Just like he said he would, we are now in him. He is in us. And unless I understand that, Jesus says, I can't bear fruit. I must abide in the vine. So I have to come to a comprehension of abiding in the vine. Glory to God. I can't bear fruit of myself. So I come to this comprehension by the Spirit of God that I've been born of Christ which means I'm no longer just a earth man trying to get to heaven, but I am part of the heavenly creation of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about that in this lesson. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in this last time. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our new birth is connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, or out from among the dead. Jesus was raised out from the dead. He wasn't just raised again. He was, but he was raised out from the dead. And, and the dead, and we've talked in some of these lessons about the dead, the dead are those in Adam. In Adam, all mankind became dead. So that's the dead, the natural man. So Christ was raised from the dead. We are born again by his resurrection. So our new birth is that of Christ who is out from the dead. That's where our new birth sat in Christ Jesus, which is out from the dead. Glory to God. Now to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fate of not a way reserved in heaven for you. All right. I could read that and interpret it that someday it's, I'm going to receive this that fades not away, that I'm going to receive this incorruptible and undefiled, this that's reserved in heaven for me someday. I could interpret that 
but I'm now in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now in Christ Jesus, you that were far away are made nigh. So what's reserved in heaven for us is that which is in Christ Jesus. That's what's reserved in heaven for us, that which is in Christ. Glory to God. So, so that's what's ready to be revealed in the last time. That, that's in Christ. It's revealed by the Spirit of the living God. <laughs> that's what the in, incorruptible inheritance is. See, in Adam is corruption. In Adam is corruption. In Christ is life, peace, joy, righteousness. See, these are heavenly things. These are the things of the heavenly man. That's what we've inherited, the substance of him, what he is. He is our inheritance. Glory to God. We're joint heirs with Christ of his divine nature, of his divine person, to bring forth in the earth that of him. Well, if I, if I keep thinking it's far, far away from me, I probably am not going to bring it forth in the earth. Glory to God. But if I understand the Spirit of God reveals Christ in me to make him known, to form him, then that of Christ is going to be formed in my heart to manifest in the earth. See, see, that's really the difference, is I can believe everything is someday far, far away, or I can begin to embrace that God is revealing his son in me, that I might, like Paul said, declare him, that my existence might be impacted by him, that his fruit might be formed in me. See, see, we've been begotten into this living hope, this living expectation of the life of Christ. Now, that's the expectation I have in my heart, that the life of Christ would be in me. And I believe that's exactly what Paul Paul and Peter, is actually Peter that wrote this, is saying to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved, kept in heaven for me. The, the things of the earth can't touch this inheritance. Hallelujah. The, the enemies in the earth can't break through and steal because it's made formidable in the Lord himself. So the enemy can't steal this inheritance. This is the inheritance we have. See, our inheritance is in Christ. It's a heavenly inheritance, a heavenly man. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, In whom we have obtained an inheritance. So we have obtained an inheritance in a whom. The same one we're born in. 
being predestinated according to the purpose of him who work of all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So, so here's the purpose that we become a praise of the glory of God in the earth. In the earth. Right now. That we grow up into him in all things. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This is why we have received the Spirit, that we might know the things freely given to us of God in Christ, that we'd know them. That doesn't mean I just have a head knowledge of them. It means I have an experiential knowledge of them. They become part of my being because I'm in Christ Jesus. I believe that. See, I really believe this. I'm not just speaking to you out of something that I just read on the page. I do read it on the page. I study the scripture a lot. But I believe it because the Spirit of God is making it real in my heart. I believe God wants you to live in love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness. I believe God wants the fruit of the Spirit to be alive in you. I believe God wants you to be a well-watered field, bringing forth a harvest unto the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. And I don't believe it's just for when you physically die or over there. I believe the over there is in you. Christ is in you. All the over there, all the teaching of the over there, I believe is actually in the person of Jesus Christ, in that Christ himself has come and made his abode, just like he said, in you and I, that you and I would be transformed, changed, renewed, made into the very same image and substance of the Lord. Now that's what I believe. Glory to God. In 1 Corinthians 15, they asked Paul, I believe, how are the dead raised? You, you know, what body does the dead come in? And in verse 42, we're going to look at verse 42. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in, cor in corruption, is raised in incorruption. Now, the resurrection of the dead. Uh, what is the resurrection of the dead? Jesus said, I am the resurrection. So I could, I could actually say here, so Jesus is the resurrection of the dead. He was sown in corruption. He came into man. He was made a man. He took upon him the form of the servant, made in the likeness of man, made of the seed of Abraham. And I could understand that he was sown into the corruption that is the Adamic man. He was raised 
in the incorruptible life of God. Now, this connects back to what we were reading in 1 Peter, that he has begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus was sown in corruption, but he was raised, or sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor. See, that again is the Adamic man, but raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As we have, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall bear the image of the heavenly, bring forth fruit of the heavenly one. See, the heavenly is Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's the heavenly one. He's the man of, from heaven, the Lord from heaven. So from our natural birth, we bore the image of the earth man because we were his seed and we produced after his kind. Not, not just our physical existence of producing, that, that that was coming out of us was that of Adam. But now we've been born again of the Spirit of God, the work of the Spirit's being done in us. We, we're coming to realize the death of Christ, that we're dead to that old man, that we would live unto God, that now the incorruptible life of Christ could be manifested through us. That's bearing the heavenly. It's bearing that of him. Glory to God. And this excites me. So when I go back and I read of the fruit in John 15, that we can't bear fruit of ourselves. And we can't bear fruit unless we're in the vine. And, and Jesus is, is telling us we have to be in the vine. And the apostle Paul tells us we're in the vine. In whom? The vine, we have received an inheritance, and the, the incorruptible inheritance of the incorruptible life of God. That's the inheritance we've received. To have his life, his substance formed in us. My God, what a salvation. To, to have his fruit coming out of us. Well, what his joy his love see see we read in in galatians 5 the fruit of the spirit i've got it here somewhere galatians 5 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and against such there is no law so we read this and 
we say often, I've got to live like this. Okay. So that's my goal. And that's not a bad goal. All right. But how do I achieve it? Because many times as Christians, we don't achieve love, joy, peace, forgiveness, faithfulness. Right? Well, Jesus says to bear fruit, we have to abide in the vine. So I'm going to come back to that again. So to abide in the vine, I believe I have to know that I'm in the vine. And once I know I'm in the vine, that which is in the vine can be made real in my heart. That now I can stay in that which is in the vine, the substance of Christ. Because I believe the fruit of the Spirit that we read in Galatians 5 is the very nature and character and substance of God. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, that the very nature and substance and character of God comes forth out of you, that we love without partiality. I believe that's, that's in uh, Brother James's gospel. And uh, James 2 he says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man do not riches oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, point he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Amen. So what does James mean in all this? We could go on and on, and we're probably going to look at another place in the book of James. But have impartiality, the love of God. See, it, when the love of God is worked in us, we don't have partiality toward one another. We equally give this gospel to a rich man or a poor man. We don't look at their substance to give the things of God. We don't. So this partiality, this being impartial, I look at the impartiality as that of Christ. Now, I believe that, that he deals even in our natural things that we are to 
show our love of God by by giving our natural things. I think the I think the Apostle John tells us that, but we become impartial in the ministry of Christ. We don't look on their outward being, how much money they have, their their status, anything of that nature. We we look at them in terms of the the work the Lord Jesus did for all men. So we're not looking at people's natural abilities at all. Glory to God. And this life, this love of God, we want shed abroad to all men. We want all to be in this glorious fellowship of the life of God, of the life of Christ. Because to me, this is the love of God, is this life of Christ, fellowshipping this that Christ is, that God brought me out of through, through the death of his son. He brought me out of the old man that I could experience his life. To me, this is the love of God, experiencing his life and sharing his life with others without partiality, be, being impartial, that they would have this same fellowship. Hallelujah. This fellowship with the Father and with the Son, this fellowship of God, this fellowship of Christ, this glorious fellowship that God has brought us into, that we would understand the union of the Lord. And we would forbear with one another. I, I, the Lord's been dealing with me, and I've been seeing a greater work in my heart there of the Spirit of the Lord that even people without the understanding that I have, that I would forbear with them, that they would come into this glorious understanding, this glorious reality, not just agree with me, but this reality of Christ, Jesus the Lord, would be ministered unto them. My God, that's my heart. You know, and this has been a been an ongoing work of the Lord in me because as as I've seen this revelation of the Lord as he's been made real in my soul I've many times just wanted to convince people this is the truth but I don't just want to convince them it's the truth I do I want them to share this glorious reality of his life amen that's my desire. So Brother James is, is talking, I believe, here in this impartiality of the love of God. Now he says the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so as we are impartial, we, we give this of God to all. We don't hold it back. I believe that's God's love manifested out of us. And Brother James in, in James 4 says something. He says, where do wars and fights come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that were in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasure. 
Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be friends of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but grace is given to the humble. Now, from within, James says, comes wars and fights among you. Now, we can look out in the world and we can see wars and fights. Apostle James tells us where it comes. And I believe we can also see where the division comes in the body of Christ. If we have his fruit in us, if his love's being formed in us, if his peace is being formed in us, his joy is being formed in us. See, the, these things that create partiality or division among us is being cast out. Amen? So we will embrace one another as members of the body of Christ. Yes, we will. We, we will see one another as complete in him. And we will minister his completion to each other. It'll become the desire of our heart. I, I it, In reading John 15, one of the things that just really struck my heart is, is in one place there, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And I've heard people quote this scripture often. I quoted it often myself, especially as a young Christian, that God said, if I abide in Christ, I could ask what I will, and it would be done for me. All right. And, and usually my asking what it will may have been more in line of what Brother James said, you ask of your own lust. You ask of your own desire. <laughs> but ha have you ever considered that this is buried in Jesus' conversation about bearing fruit? That if you abide in him, you can ask what you will. And it will be done unto you. In other words, you will bear fruit. Because it's where God is glorified that the fruit of Christ is formed in you. And so shall you be my disciples, he says. So, so I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm going, oh my. This should be our desire. That the fruit of God, that peace, that joy of love and kindness would be in us, would be our substance. And Jesus says, if you ask what you will, it will be done. This is God's desire to give you of the kingdom. It's God's desire to give you that of Christ. It's God's desire that you love one another. Well, how do I love one another? How 
you you know when it's when when love a lot of times is wrapped up in agreeing with one another of of accepting one another well if I, when i find out you're accepted in the beloved when i find out that he's made us accepted now and he and he loves me the same as he loves you that I'm no better than you are, and you're no better than I am, that we're both members of the body of Christ, and he's the head and not me, that I'm not a big shot and neither are you, but we're all joined together of this one glorious body to bring forth the fruit and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that's really our purpose. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Now, God's desire is that we bear fruit. Here is God glorified. Here, if we abide in the vine, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to, to come to an understanding of being accepted, of being loved, of being one with Christ. My God, we're going to come to that place. And in our hearts and our minds is going to be peace and joy gentleness, kindness, meekness, long-suffering. It's going to be part of our substance. You can ask what you will, and God's going to do this unto you. He's going to form this in you because it's his desire. It's what he desires that out of you would come forth fruit. And how he forms it in you is he reveals or shows your heart and your mind the Lord Jesus himself. Glory to God. And Jesus goes on, and he says, verse 10, John 15, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. All things I've heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever we shall you shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Well, there's so much here to consider and say. But that his joy, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, his joy. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was set before him? Now, that's out of Hebrews chapter 12. What was set before him that he would endure the cross? Well, you could say being in the Father's presence, being glorified with the Father. Well, he already was that. He was the form of God. He was God, according to John. So he was already that. So what was set before him? I believe Hebrews 2 and John 17 is the answer. Well, in Hebrews 2, 
just a couple more places today. Hebrews 2 says, verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made lower, a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain their salvation perfect through sufferings. I believe right here's the answer. To bring many sons to glory. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. In John 17, he, he prays that they may behold my glory. <laughs> that they may be one as we are one. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one. Bringing many sons into the divine nature of God. Having fellowship with the divine nature or the divine God himself. I believe that was the joy that was set before Christ. That's what he was seeing as he endured the shame, as he was made lower, as he took up on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man, that he would bring us that we could have this glorious fellowship that Paul writes of called unto the fellowship of God's dear son, that we're fellowshipping what he is, that with one another we're fellowshipping what he is, that all the love of God would bring us into this glorious place that we would fellowship what the divine Lord and Savior actually is. And we would give it without partiality to one another. We would be, be carriers of the nature, that our fruit would remain. Hallelujah. That in turmoil, we would have peace. <laughs> just like Jesus in the boat. You know, as, as the disciples were rocked in the sea and Jesus just laid down and went to sleep in the boat, <laughs> my Lord Jesus, that that same nature would be formed in us, that, that in trials and situations we'd be in rest. And just as Jesus, we would be the dispenser of the rest not separated from him, not of our own strength, but all by the living Christ that lives in me. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, because he's been formed or he's being formed, and that that has already been formed is coming forth. My Lord and my God, what a salvation. I, I to a certain measure, and I'm careful how I say this. Understand why Paul said that Christ may be formed in you. In, in the book of Galatians, why he wrote that? Because he saw the living Christ. He didn't see him afar off. He saw him revealed in him. He saw the divine nature. He saw the divine character. He understood what prophet, what the prophets mean. Hey, Come and let us go into the mountain of the Lord, into the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. 
The Apostle Paul was understanding that because he was seeing the ways of the Lord by the Spirit of God, and he was walking in his paths. He was begin, He was walking in that of Christ. And yet, though he walked in that of Christ, he says that I may obtain him, that I might be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto his resurrection. I press toward the mark, not as if I've already attained. And oh, what Paul said in another place, what you have attained, walk in. Oh, my Lord, what a salvation we have. That the fruit of God, that the person of God, that the nature of God would be formed in us and that it would remain. And we would fellowship this with one another. We would have it to dispense into the earth the very divine presence of God. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. Ye are the branches. To see the purpose of the branch to bear his fruit. <laughs> That's why we're a branch, to bear his fruit. And to realize that no fruit I could produce of myself could ever compare to him. Nothing I could do could ever compare to what the Spirit of God will do within you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may you form your fruit in us. May you form your everlasting word, the living Christ in our hearts and our minds. May Christ be revealed in us that we would see him and know him and declare him in Jesus' name. Well, folks, I want to share one last thing with you. Last week, I was highly concerned with my natural existence because I could feel something in my throat. I could feel it there. I was having a lot of difficulty swallowing. I began to seek the Lord. I began to seek those in the body of Christ to pray for me. And they did. I actually last Saturday went to a doctor and he looked at it and he was highly concerned. Well, as the week went on, I had people praying for me throughout our fellowship and in other countries in the world. And I can't say for sure if it was Thursday or Friday, which I had a ultrasound Friday morning, but I believe it was Thursday. Could have been Wednesday. I began to feel and think, I don't feel it. Well, I had the ultrasound. And the report that came was everything looks normal. Amen. So why talk to you about the joy and the life of God in the soul? And I, and I believe that. I also believe he's a healer of our physical bodies. And I believe in the miraculous of God. I absolutely, with my whole heart, and what I lack, I ask the Lord to fill me with belief and faith in that which I lack. Anyway. I want to share this with you. 
May the Lord Jesus Christ fill your heart, your mind, your soul. In the name of our Lord and Savior, amen.